When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by The Real Flower Company. For all of your luxury flower needs. It's the Pompey Pubcast that combines the beers and the blues. Barros for Pompey, round Kushak goes down, penalty to pass with an old Trafford. Barros tripped by Thomas Kushak, who sent off Montari do the job. He steps up, left-footed, scores for Pompey. They lead an old Trafford in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. Jamalo's onside, the flag stick down, Jamalo, nonchalant, fantastic, brilliant. Portsmouth Football Club are promoted to League One. Curtis across the face of goal. Marquez! Marquez! He's won it! 96 minutes on the clock. Portsmouth are heading back to Wembley. This is Three Lads in the Pub. Here we go then, Three Lads in the Pub, episode 13, and we actually mean episode 13 this time, apologies. I think it was the episode 11, we said it was like 14, didn't 14 we? I think. I don't know what happened there, but hello, how are you doing? Welcome along to uh, the next episode of Three Lads in the Pub. After a positive week on the field for Pompey, two wins, I am joined by uh, Jeff Harris and alongside him as well. The Viking, Ryan Stillwell. We're at the Shepherd's Crook for this edition, this episode. Uh, Jeff, what have you gone for? That looks different. I've gone for a Madre again. Oh, Madre again. Okay, sorry. It's in a different glass the last time. but It's the uh, inch head that's on top of the pint. Very nice. Very nice. And uh, the Viking. I've also got a pint of Madre. It's my, <laughs> it's my first lager in a while on the show. Yeah. Um, is that the first of many this evening? No, I, I am still driving. I mean, uh, after after this. Oh, after this, yeah, Super Bowl night. So when I do eventually get home, we'll be cracking out all sorts. Yeah, liquish. Uh, I've gone for <laughs> uh, obviously because I got a sweet tooth. Carling dark fruits, uh, which is uh, absolutely. I tell you what, this is a great drink. I have to say. Anyway, we've been talking for a minute. Sponsored by Carling <laughs> and the True Flower Company. Do you know what? We have, we have to mention that we are we are now. Of course, you may have heard at the start of this podcast. Uh, sponsored by the Real Flower Company, so thank you to those guys for that. And don't forget, you can uh, use their disc- our discount code Three Lads in Fifteen for fifteen percent off. Perfect timing, gents. If you screwed up and forgot to get flowers for Valentine's Day, uh, but yeah, hopefully you didn't. I can't forget my wife's a florist. <laughs> <laughs> I, me and my partner don't do Valentine's Day to the extent that tomorrow night uh, my partner's going to bingo with my mum and I'm I'm just sat at home with my daughter so. I, w- I was quite amused when uh, I saw uh, that we announced that the uh, was obviously responsible by the flower company and your partner put a comment on there saying oh no excuse not to buy me flowers now uh, I, I have one <laughs> I, I'm looking after her yeah, her spawn her offspring her but gift that, of life that's, while, that's not while she's off going house She's also your offspring. Uh, bingo. <laughs> <laughs> Eyes down. Right, let's talk about football. Jeff, do you know what people, I, I said it the other week, people will tune in and think, oh, they're just going to find something to moan about. No, we can't because it's been all right, isn't it? It's been, it's been a decent week. Two wins on the bounce. 
Up the Blues. If, if, if you look at, yes, we've got six points. Um, I thought Burton was, was the trickier game of the two. Uh, and we, we talked about the previous five games where I said, well, I think we'll get five points and we got one. But this run of games, I said, we'll get ideally 12 points and we're halfway there at the moment doing a Bon Jovi. Um <laughs> So, yeah, so <laughs> Ryan's giving me a funny look for that quick. I like that. That's <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, so yeah, it, it, it crew are a good football inside. Make no bones about that when we go into Saturday's game. But let's go back to Burton. It was a hard-fought hard fought game. Yes, the players did look leggy. I, I, I said in the, in the last episode I didn't want anyone to come out and say they were tired and use that as an excuse for underperforming. I don't think they underperformed. I just think it was a leggy performance, given the fact that you've also then got Ronan Curtis and Michael Jacobs playing in central midfield positions. Um, I think it was a solid, okay-ish, decent performance. Going into Saturday's game, and, and I want to make a reference back to what I said last episode about the way Oxford play 3-5-2. With two, with their wing backs pretty much out and out wingers playing in a, a, a front four, and I think that's what the Cowleys tried to go for on Saturday, but it didn't quite work. You know, the first half it was it was pedestrian, it was slow, it was lackadaisical. Pompey fans were moaning about, you know, I've forgotten Doncaster's goalkeeper, but Pazuna was taking as much time as what. Donny's goalkeeper was and we're all bemoaning him but around about 20 minutes Pompey fans well I sit in the front end started clicking onto that and they, they were getting frustrated with Bazunu. he was slow in his distribution his kicking has been off since the Oxford game I think but they're the only negatives look you know we've got six points we're still what 10-12 points off the playoffs the advantage is those teams have got to play each other and we've got to play teams in the bottom third. Can we claw back some of those points? I think we can. I put a tweet out yesterday saying I think we'll get another 26 points between now and the end of the season. And I done well. I thought we'd win, lose or draw. We've got, you know, although I said we'll lose against Rotherham, Wigan, we'll draw against Oxford, Plymouth, we've got to pick those teams off. It's no good drawing with, with the likes of Oxford or Plymouth. We've got to beat them and take points off of them. That's the only way we stand an outside chance of, of getting that six spot. And you're probably looking at five teams trying to fill that sixth position. I, I, I really do think that. Let's bring the Viking in. I mean, that's the longest I've ever heard Jeff talk on this podcast, which it was interesting, yeah. Two, two wins in one week, and, and Jeff's armed ready to go, you know. <laughs> He's a happy boy. I can see the smile on his face. And it is good to see smiles back at Fratton Park, because ultimately that's what we all want. We want to leave Fratton Park at about 10 to 5, feeling good about ourselves. Mm. So it, it was nice that for the first time in, what, three months, we've secured back-to-back league wins, both at home, both deserved... And in the case of, in the case of the Doncaster game, it was you know you eventually got there. The first half was a different story. Going into the Burton game, my my statement was for once, just once, we have to make a team chase a game. We can't keep chasing games from one nil down, two nil down, and get a late flurry of chances with fifteen minutes to go. To that end, you have to start Michael Jacobs. Now Jacobs is directly involved in both goals in the first half. All of a sudden, when Burton do... I'm not going to say I told you so. Yeah, yeah, we've been calling for it for a while. We've been calling for it. And, you know, it was even in my preview for the uh, Oxford game, that for one, uh, for the Burton game, just make a team chase a game that isn't Pompey. Let's actually force another side into or out of their comfort zone. When Burton eventually do generate some momentum second half, okay, you got one goal. But you're only halfway there. That You have an element of control over the game when you can do that. So it was good that in the Burton game, for once, we could actually enforce that on another side rather than be on the outside looking in with 15 minutes to go. Had to be a had-to-be, by the way, didn't it? it had of course be. it did. It had to be. He had been you absolutely awful that night as well. Yeah. Uh, and he just steps in front of that lashed ball across goal. To his credit, it's one of those right place, right time yeah. things. So you, you credit that, but he was absolutely awful. And then... 
I don't think many Pompey fans knew he'd scored it though, because it went in. Everyone went, "Oh, Burton are back in the game." And then the Tannoy out at the announcer went, "Golf of Burton, number nine, gas and had me." And the entire, <laughs> I've never heard this before, but no one knew that I had me to score apparently. Because everyone went, oh, "For fuck!" <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Wait, did you?" It was pretty obvious that he'd scored it, but yeah, that was an odd element of it. Going into Doncaster. So we won 4-0 in the end. That was a clinic we put on the second half. You talk about a fragile team that once you break their will, they completely crumble. That is Doncaster. The second goal to me is just absolutely hilarious. Ben Jackson, the left back, tries to just, you know, securely nod a header back inside to either defender. Alowu's looking the wrong way, appealing for offside. Jackson doesn't see that he's appealing for offside. Alowu doesn't see that uh, Jackson's heading the ball inside. They both lose it between them, and Hurst goes, I guess I'll just run unopposed towards goal one-on-one. And that kind of self-destructive defending, if yeah, you pick that off easily, you are going to rack up goals. And to Pompey's credit, you know, I, I know it sounds like I'm just saying, well, we only won because the opposition were bad. Well, no, you still have to take advantage of all of that. I'm gonna, and we did brilliantly. I'm going to praise George Hurst here because he's been getting a lot of stick recently, let's be honest. Um, I mean, he works hard, but that... I saw a glimpse of what we could potentially see from him. I, mean, I, mean, I know the, fin- the finish was questionable, I, I, I think but the way him, he... If you get him running at goal, yeah. he's, he's got power, he's got pace. You know, there's no denying that. It's just the end product. Whether whether it's he's thinking too much about what he needs to do, yeah. sometimes you just need to put your laces through the ball. Can I ask you a question? Do you believe that he meant to hit it under the keeper or over him? I think he meant to put it under. <laughs> no way. I think he went to dink him. He went to chink. I thought chip, initially chip he'd actually not make him. Yeah. Uh, I hadn't seen the highlights until one hundred percent. He tried chipping him, but, but it, it hit the underside <laughs> of Mitchell's outstretched arm. It was meant to be a dink yeah. that and hit the underside uh, of Mitchell's I, arm. The reason I say that is because if you look at all of his shots, yeah. they're all daisy cutters because he knows he's got a powerful shot. It was yeah. a toe poke. It was, it, it was a powerful toe poke under him yeah. that was for sure to, because the keeper he's, he's again it goes back to does he think too much about about those situations and and then if you do <laughs> sorry this song's just come on so should we ask the Eisners this in five years time <laughs> <laughs> but there'll be more on that later we'll go back to George you know, uh, you know it's one of those ones where if you think about it and you try to do something you get it wrong I think he has yeah, tried going low. I'm not. By the way, I'm not criticising him. It just it was quite a hilarious. Well, I finish. think it was the great Ian Rush that used to say, whenever I hit it towards goal, I'd know I, I'd know what idea where in the goal I was actually putting it, as long as it went in. Right. So ne- on the on the case of George Hurst, he's put it on target. Next question, boys. I'll go to you first, Jeff. Would John Marcus have scored that? That awkward silence is <laughs> at all. Ryan yeah. Stillwell. Uh, if it, I, I think if he was no on, way. if he received it on the edge of the six-yard box, straight, yeah. straight to the keeper for me. I'm, if I'm if going he's to, running at the keeper, no. No way. I'm going to use the diplomat's answer, the yeah. politician's answer. Doesn't matter. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't. <laughs> that doesn't matter. Right. And I, I'm, I'm tired of people saying, "Oh, he's scoring at Lincoln now. We shouldn't have got rid of him." It doesn't matter if he does it somewhere else. The the most important aspect is, did he do it here? No. No. You you. You understand that, you fact that in, you move on. It was the correct oh, decision. Fucking hell, right, so Hurst, aren't Jeez. So, so Hurst <laughs> fully earned his goal yesterday. No, fair enough. I think where Hurst comes in is sometimes... If you if you go back to the Charlton game, where Jacobs does that little flick-on header on the deck, Hurst receives the ball in space, turns 90 degrees inside, puts himself directly in front of the defender, then shoots. So he's played his way out of space, into traffic, then shoots. And that's where you think, okay, what's the end product like here? Rather than the actual service of laying off the ball, bringing other players in, which you need elements of as a forward. Ollie Hawkins was the same. A lot of managers post-game would talk about, we could not handle Hawkins in the air. We could not handle the way he'd bring other players in. But Jack Ross would mention him all the time. But Hawkins in front of goal never really had that element. To me, there is an element of... George, you know, Ollie Hawkins to George Hurst in, in that he will work diligently for 90 minutes in the game. He'll happily lead the line alone if asked to. He will bring players in, but do you trust him in front of goal instinctively? No, I don't. I, I'm happy he scored yesterday, 
But it, is he your answer over a 46-game season? I, I don't think he is. It's made worse by the fact that he doesn't have a reliable partner right now. Well, it's now. a good job we've got a reliable... Oh, sorry. Um. No, it, <laughs> in terms of who we've currently got to play up front, Hurst still deserves to be in the starting lineup. And even when he isn't scoring, he still warrants a place in the starting lineup because he, if he's not going to score himself, then at least he brings in enough players around him who also have the potential to score. Unlike a forward we're going to speak about in a few minutes, he does at least do something else for the team that keeps him in the starting lineup. And he has to be praised for that because at the start of his time here, he wasn't doing that either. No, he wasn't. The, um, one question before I do move on, though. At first, you spoke of formations a few minutes ago, Jeff. I'm going to ask you, what were Pompey playing first half? And I, well, I really want you to think about it. I, I think they were trying to play a 3-1-2-4. And, and, <laughs> and, and the reason I say it was like a reverse Christmas tree, and the reason I say that is because I think... You know, maybe Danny Cowley listened to us on the pod last week when we were talking about Oxford and the, and the, and the formations. Of the, like I say it again, Oxford played wing-backs really high. And I think the Cowley saw that game and thought, do you know what? With what we've got on offer, Hume didn't have the best of games against Burton. Let's be honest. You know, deservedly, he, he got substituted. With um, Romeo being only 75% fit as well, it was an opportunity to rest him and have him on the bench. Yes, he's fit enough to be playing, but would he last another 90 minutes? Probably not. And I think it was an experiment against a very poor Donny side that we knew as soon as we got the first goal, gaps would open up. Now that first half, that game could have been totally different yesterday if it wasn't for Raggett's goal line clearance oh, huge. which then huge. which then proceeded on 27 minutes Raggett and Danny Cowley having an argument for about what it seemed like an eternity while was someone weird. was getting treatment yeah Raggett was having a right go at Cowley and Cowley was having a right go at him back and it's almost as though what the fuck do you want me to do I've just cleared it off the line yeah. and Cowley's having a go at him for being out of position but at least he got back and cleared it off the line because if, if we had gone 1-0 down then that Doncaster team sit back. They've got a foothold in the game. And it gets ugly. Because we're yeah. losing to bottom of the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at that point, exactly. deservedly. Exactly. You know, the, the, the experiment in the formation in the first half didn't work. Whatever he said to him at half-time, hats off. Because it worked. This is why Thompson was my personal man of the match. Because what didn't work for me about the formation was the midfield. Now, at this point, disclaimer... Or, or, you know, just a public notice. I get it. Curtis and Jacobs aren't central midfielders. Therefore, they aren't expected to have a natural understanding of the roles. I get it. I'm not going to dispute that. But it looked to me they were trying to play a 3-1-4-2. So Thompson in behind your midfield four. What it actually transpired to be was 3-1 vibes. Everything north of Louis Thompson was just vibes. Because Thompson was supposed to be behind Curtis and Jacobs, who were supposed to be shoulder to shoulder with each other in the midfield. But Jacobs kept drifting left outside with Hackett, and Curtis kept on going upside Tyler Walker. This left a Louis Thompson that struggled to complete 90 minutes all season, holding the entire midfield to himself. And actually, he did a bloody good job of it. The, the amount of times we turned the ball over and he would go hunt it down, retain position, look around see large swaths of empty green and go, I I'm not the only midfielder. What is going on here? Our midfielder in the first half appeared to be Thompson and Inshallah. Just... Yeah, so that really didn't work for me at all. I'm glad that we got over it. I'm glad that Raggett pulled us out of the fire. Thompson pulled us out of the fire. And second half, we really turned it on. You know, we put on a bit of a clinic in terms of picking off a weak Doncaster side. You may remember that I spoke about fullback pairings a while back and how Doncaster probably lost one of the best fullback pairings in the league and their replacements were absolutely dreadful. Look at the goals they conceded yesterday in terms of Kyle Noyle. Brad Halliday was right back last season. Kyle Noyle, that's twice in one game that a ball's put into the back post on the air for Hackett's goal and on the deck for O'Brien's. You're one-on-one -on -one at the back post. Anytime a ball goes back post and you're a fullback, you know you're one-on-one -on -one with the guy you're supposed to be playing against. You have a job to get in front of that. 
and stop it with anything you can muster. Because if you don't, that is going in. And not only did he fail in his job once, he failed in his job twice. And both balls came from the area of the left back. I talk about fullback pairings because you need that security outside whoever you've got a centre back. And the moment Doncaster's spirit broke, those two fullbacks were just paper thin in terms of how fragile they were. And we picked them off brilliantly. And, and, I, and I think there's an element to why Curtis and Jacobs, when we had the ball, went wide. He was to overload their fullbacks. You know, and to be honest with you, Jacobs saw acres of space out there on the left because Hackett was, was playing so high up. It gave those areas of Jacobs to be influential. He's not, you know, if he if he's gonna curl the ball in with you know on the outside of his right foot, he wants that space to curl it in. He doesn't want to be too too diagonal, you know, horizontal to, towards the, the opposing goal. So he naturally drifted out there, and and I think second half that was rectified. Definitely, you know, of course it was. We scored four goals, but we knew. We knew as soon as we get one, we'd get two or three. Mm. Refreshing to see um, Thompson mentioned, but not that Thompson. Everyone's banging on the uh, too many Thompsons. That Louis Thompson drum. What a player, Jeff. He what, is. If we can, like, I mean, if, uh, it's, you've got to feel for him. His injury record is awful. Yeah, and he's on a pay. Keep him fit. He is. He is championship quality he all is, day and long. He, and he, he's on a pay as you play deal. So, would they offer him? Would they offer him a contract for next season? Well, I if, think he, they if would. he's happy with that, then... If he's happy with that, well, it, it benefits the club, it benefits him. It's, it's almost uh, similar to the situation with Jack Watmore. The club wouldn't offer a, a contract of the exact type he was on because the club had every right to turn around and say, in your, in your decade with us, how many times have you completed more than half a season for whatever reason? We're not going to give you a a full good-looking contract when you have, you've never played a full season. Credit to Watmore for whatever it is that's allowed him to play a full season with Wigan this year, but I can understand why the club weren't willing to take that risk. With Thompson, again, with a pay-as-you-play deal, it's, it's a prove-it deal. It's a prove you can remain fit for a full season, and when the chips are down and Morel's out and Sean Williams has got a broken back and you've got this player unavailable for, you know, Ryan Tunnicliffe tore his hamstring, aggravated it. Joe, Joe Morel suspended. Louis Thompson, when it's really getting paper thin in terms of depth, he's actually stood up and gone, I'll put whatever I can of this midfield on my back. It's like when, I, when we went to Gillingham and I said, Conor Ogilvy's not led this defence yet. But with all the other main defenders out, Raggett couldn't play, Robertson couldn't play, Ogilvy has to put this defence on his back. And he did. We got them. He got us through that game. And Thompson is now getting us through games in midfield. He's, he's rewriting his own narrative brilliantly to earn a new deal here. Jeff, um, we'll, we'll talk about uh, a certain individual now and then we'll, we'll come on and re reflect on the Andy Cullen interview, which we were gutted you couldn't make, but I'm sure you've listened to it. Um, so we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But... Uh, unfortunately, we have found a slight negative to talk about this week. Um, unavoidable. I think you mentioned you, you'd give Tyler Walker four or five games. Yeah, yeah. And what are we on now? I think we are on four or five games, yeah. aren't we? Um, it's, uh, not quite working for him, is it? It's it's not, and I and I can't recall how many games he'd, he's played for Coventry this season. And we were told he was a, a striker that would get in behind the forwards. He'd be that poacher in the 18-yard box. Um, he makes intelligent runs. But we heard that about John Marquis as well. And, and for me, I, I put it out yesterday on Twitter. For me, I think Aidan O'Brien needs to start up top with Hurst. Ryan referenced just a minute ago about Hurst being able to, to get in those turn those defenders and use his power and pace to get get beyond I think if you can get Hurst into those positions and you've got a mobile centre forward up there with him and and someone like I don't know Curtis or Jacobs coming in behind I'd even put Harness up top with Hurst because I think I think the, the mobility of, of either of those players O'Brien or Harness will cause defenders more problems because they'll go Okay, we know Hurst is a big, powerful unit. We, if, we, if we've got a back three, we've got to put two on him. That leaves you one-on-one. You're obviously for one-on-one with another defender. You know, O'Brien took his chance yesterday. He stole in at the back post. First touch, goal. What, within a minute of coming on? 
that's what we were told Walker would do. I don't know, we were talking off air about that scenario, but Walker, for me, hasn't hasn't done enough. We, we talked about it during the January transfer window, we needed a striker to get 10 goals between now and the end of the season. I... I <laughs> <laughs> I don't, and on that note, I don't see I don't see Walker doing that. I don't see Hurst. I don't see Hurst. I've always doing wanted that. to get one of those on the mic. Um, I've got the headphones on, you arsehole. <laughs> but O'Brien, O'Brien could potentially get between six to eight goals between now and the end of the season. If that's if that's his instinct, and that's what he's going to do. There's been a misperception for me over what Tyler Walker is meant to be in this part of the season. There's a lot of people on the back of some of the uh, the negativity about Walker going, oh, you've got to give him time. No, you don't have to give him time. And here's why. When you sign a player in the back half of the season on a half-year loan deal to go straight into your starting eleven, and that player, as Cullen confirmed on our podcast, uh, is worth two to three players worth of League One money, that player is brought in to play games straight away. You are meant to be plugged into the side straight away and be an impact player in the side. You can't wait for Tyler Walker to develop. Also, why should we develop him? He's not our player. He is here for half a season. We've got 16 games to go. We cannot wait for Tyler Walker to develop because in 16 games... He goes home. If you sign a starting forward on a half-year loan deal in the back half of the season, you he has to be able to plug in straight away and go because what is the end game otherwise? There's no point him coming good with five games to go and scoring a couple of goals in that time and then going back to his parent club. What do we get out with it? What do we get out of it starting him in all the games in between? Everyone saying, oh, you know, the goals will come. Well, it's too late. We suck... So- we're paying upwards of potentially ten grand a week, based on Cullen's comments that yeah. the departure of two players—that's that's what's frustrating, isn't it? Finance the Walker deal. We're told if, yeah. if two forwards are going out and Walker's coming in, and Walker is supposedly, according to Cowley's comments and the way he plays, this instinctive, you know, running between the lines, get behind the defenders, one-on-one goal scorer, then you need to be doing that straight away. That's why you were signed. People going on about, oh, we need to wait for him to develop. You're talking about the wrong player. The player that Pompey signed in January, who is under no pressure to play and you know play brilliantly straight away, and you've got time to develop him, is Denver Hume because he's our player. He's definitely part of the plans for next season. He has a contract beyond June. It doesn't matter what he does now because he wasn't signed to impact now. He was signed to be here for the now and more importantly, the future. Tyler Walker is for the here and now to start up front here and now. Definitely. And right now, not only is he not scoring he contributes to nothing else in the side he started five games and the last two games he's done absolutely nothing he's had maybe five touches maximum how many touches did he have yesterday oh, I don't know people might think we're, we're being harsh here but prove, prove us wrong because but, it's, I, but I, is it harsh to factual. say if, is it harsh to say right January transfer window we need a goal scoring forward we're going out and paying 10 grand a week for a goal scoring forward to change our season well, if the goal scoring forward isn't goal scoring and isn't doing anything else no. is it harsh to say no. he should not be part of the team or should be uh, should he start at crew no why should he he uh, hasn't earned yeah, the right no, definitely you know I've just looked at his stats before coming to us he's played 20 games for Coventry how many goals do you think he scored nine three Mm. Is he worth the the uh, you know alleged nine to ten grand a week that we are paying him? No, he's not. The other thing is, I'm not saying Walker's a bad player, and I'm not saying it's never going to work from at Portsmouth. Right it now, might, it might work in the last five games of the season. My point is not whether he is a good player or not. My point is, what on earth is he doing here if he isn't a player that can plug in straight away and play? Definitely. If we're building for the future and if we're building for next season, what does this club benefit from Tyler Walker becoming good in the last five games? What does it actually benefit this team and our future prospects? I don't get the end game out of this. Denver Hume, you can bring him in and out of the side with no pressure because he is here beyond the summer. 
Tyler Walker, we have no idea if he is. And right now, let's say what he's done in his first five starts, because he started five games and he's played, he's finished three of them. He's played 71 minutes in another and he's played 67 as of yesterday. If he does that for the next five games, would you buy him in the summer? No. Or, exactly. So, but, but the player Walker's is either on approve it or, or, or go. And right now, the the starting eleven is not benefit. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, they're not benefiting from it. You may as well start with ten men. The, the forward who's got a point to prove is Aidan O'Brien. He's on a six, well, you know, short term contract to the end of the season. He 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 will be chomping at the bit to go out there and give it his all because he would want to stay here beyond the summer. So there's a player who's chomping at the bit. Took his chance. He took his chance and he scored. He deserves to start. He, the only crew. other time he's played was seven minutes at Oxford to see out the game. So he has scored after eight minutes of Pompey football. Yeah. With what I believe was his first shot. Yes, it was from two yards out. But again, I go back to earlier. He had a one-on-one battle at the back post and he won it. You can't ask for a forward to do more he than threw that. Threw himself. He threw everything at the ball, didn't he? Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's an aesthetically pleasing yeah. goal. It crossed the line. Exactly. So, in terms of water, to, to people out there who disagree with me, and you're allowed to, I don't get. I don't always get stuff right. We don't always get stuff right. We, we can, can be wrong. That. Yeah, we know. <laughs> but <laughs> if Walker, if you're sinking that much money into a goal-scoring forward to plug into your team straight away, if he wasn't supposed to come in straight away and start delivering goods tell me why he's here anyone who disagrees with me tell me what we benefit from by hoping that giving him 10-15 games is is worth anything to our club tell me why he's here if not to deliver straight away if you're paying 10 grand a week for a striker they've got to deliver game one they've got to deliver there's no pressure on Denver Hume for that express reason but there is pressure on Walker hmm Interesting. Uh, right, we are half an hour into this episode, uh, episode 13. Um, of course, the last episode, if you haven't listened yet, do go back and listen. We were lucky enough to be uh, down at Fratton Park, myself and Ryan. We were in the Chairman's Lounge and we spoke with Andy Cullen. And just for the record, I had to put this out on social media because I've seen some quite laughable accusations that we were invited to the club. No bollocks we uh, approached Andy Cullen and he kindly accepted to, to chat with us um, I mean if I'm honest we, we had a, a brief 10-15 minute chat with him Ryan just to do you know what my first impressions of him the first time I met the guy he's really excited to be here he was so excited to show us around I, I, you know I got a really really good vibes for me um, but yeah we, we can we, we didn't brief him what we are going to ask him we, we said there'll be some tough questions in there answer him if you want and he said I'll answer everything and he did and, and to his credit I mean I'll, I'll be honest hold my hands up I had to edit one thing out that's because his phone rung halfway, halfway through oh yeah that was right yeah, Danny yeah. Cowley called him Danny Cowley called him get off there no. he, yeah um, he wanted to be on as well yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was the only edit of the whole of the whole thing you know and it and I've seen some people say oh you know the, the club are using you as a pl-. no not They're at not. all you know. we approached him his only stipulation for the entire or through the entire proposal to the end of the recording, was that would you be okay with waiting until the other side of January because of the window? Um, we immediately said, that's fine, we understand that, because we initially approached him in December. Yeah. And he said, okay, I'm happy to do that. Can you just wait until the other side of January? Because we don't... Any night could be a night of a player. And that's fine. So that was his only stipulation. We met on February 7th, so it's a week after the window ends. And we recorded the same night we met him. And if I'm completely honest with you, I mean, we, we, we kind of went down there thinking we were just going to have a chat with a bloke, you know, off, off the mic. Didn't expect to actually record the interview, which is a surprise to us when, when we got to, to Fratton Park. And, and to his credit, everyone else had gone home. He was the last man out the door. Fair play to him. He, he didn't gain anything from that. So fair, fair play to him. Um, Jeff, what did you think of the interview? Yeah, I, I thought it was a good one, guys. You know, I saw the questions... Um, that we had put together beforehand and obviously I listened to it Monday night Tuesday morning and and for me he he elaborated a little bit more on, on similar topics that have been asked for in the club's um, Q&A and also what's been in the newspapers as well and I've, I've seen people saying oh you know don't turn into the club's mouthpiece it's nothing to do with that it's nothing to do at all. This is about It's also completely daft when you consider it, the history of myself and Liam. Yeah. We, we've know, come from a place I, where 
<laughs> and I said to you guys in the, in the text tonight, I said, I said, I'm proud of you guys going there and doing it because it's like a closure thing, I thought, at the, at the end of the day. But the main thing is, we've been, our, we've been able to ask him questions. Now, we are going to follow those questions up in six, four to six months' time. We will go back to Andy Cullen and say, well, you said this. Where is the progress in that area? You know, I don't know, the fan zone. He, he, he liked the idea of the fan zone. We've put together some suggestions to that. We've emailed a few companies if they, if they want to get involved. If, if that's something, don't bring them to the table. It may be too late for this season, but there's no reason why you can't start planning now. Exactly. Ready for next season. Um, and and get it get it all ready and in place. Now, if if we're not, if the club haven't announced anything about a fan zone by September, we can go back to them and say, "Come on, you said you said it was a good idea. Why? What are the blockers? What can we do as a community to help unblock that?" Because we've had lots of private messages and lots of public messages saying they'd be behind that. You know, we run a series of polls about what beers have at Fatton Park. Um, you know, Ryan and I went over to the Staggeringly Good Brewery on Saturday. Thoroughly good beer. Oh, it's like, a great Really place. good atmosphere. Really, good place. really loved it in there. Um, I ain't been in there for a year or so, so to go back in there was, was, was really good. But the main takeaway is Andy Cullen came on the pod. He, he's answered the questions. We can ha- now, as a fan base go back to him and review those questions in four to six months time yeah Ryan reflections obviously listening back to it yeah listening back to it I'm not going to hide under any illusions that it was the perfect interview from both sides there were things I would change and there were things about there were a couple of Cullen answers where I wanted to double down a bit more press a bit more I didn't 100% believe what was what was being said the offshoot of that is from our side where I felt that you know we could have changed a couple of things about our approach the questions we asked we're three months old as a podcast it was our first interview we're still learning as a podcast now if you consider that in the space of three months we've gone from a Sean Raggett blooper in episode one to having a sit down with the chief executive by episode 12 to me that's extraordinary that we've come that far in short space time to the critics we've had for one way or the other from the podcast, I would say if we can do that in three months, what can we be doing in three months' time with the exponential growth that we are as a podcast? So were we perfect? No. There were things I wanted to press more on. There, there are questions I may have danced around a little, but we still went out and asked them. Sounds we still like went out and approached them with those questions. We- <laughs> 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 that went like that. That didn't get enough credit. That was, that was, that was good from Jeff. <laughs> but I, I was still happy with the way we approached it, and th- there has to be a different atmosphere because we were on a we were in the chairman's lounge on a Monday night. It's, it's a different atmosphere to being in a pub. So if you go in shouting and screaming and holding him in hostage with a microphone, you're not you're not going to get a civil response, and he'll just kick you out the door. Your podcast is dead in the water. It's not bottling it to go in and be nice to someone but still there's a level of respect you've got to show yeah it's okay to have a disagreement it's okay to have a civil disagreement I saw saw a comment I saw a comment saying we we didn't challenge him enough we're we're not going to sit there and go you're lying Andy exactly now there were elements that I didn't think were quite true but ultimately time was a factor Liam and I both had to get home to our families I was in big trouble but also the fact that the fact that we approached it in such a way that we asked some awkward questions, Cullen still offered answers, and afterwards he was still happy with the product that he'd be willing to do it again, we've at least got our foot in the door. So Cullen didn't have to say yes to this. He did, in the end. He was very gracious as a host. He answered every question that we put to him, whether or not you believe it is, us a beer as is well. up to each of us. He offered us a beer. I had a nice speckled hem while we did it. <laughs> so it wasn't a perfect interview from either side, but we've grown exponentially as a podcast. And the next time we hopefully do this with Andrew, we can we can do a deeper dive on certain elements of the club rather than try to cover, uh, cover the whole club in, say, 90 minutes, which was where we scratched the surface level of things but we didn't get down to the nitty gritty of a lot of it but overall I enjoyed it and I think where there's been an element of 
the cloak and dagger conspiracy theories about this, that, the other. Yeah, we can do a deeper dive the next time we sit down from someone from the club. But at least we've got a foot in the door. At least we've shown that this is how you can do things. You don't have to question elements of the club while being hostile. And I think I think we struck a good balance of that. And 99% of the feedback we've received has been has been fantastic. People have been very supportive. Even the club themselves seem to approve of the way we approached it, which was, you know, we're not going to pussyfoot the whole way through it, but we're still coming from this as a, as a group of Pompey fans just wanting to get some clarity on certain elements of the club. So overall... I was happy. There are there are elements I would challenge again, but overall, I, th I thought we put a good product out there. there, there it, it bodes well for the future in terms of how the club are willing to engage with the fans and what we can do as a podcast. If, if you only listen to positivity, positivity can become toxic, and po toxic positivity is more damaging, more damaging to individuals or a team or a community than what it is being critical and doing it in a structured manner rather than going oh yeah everything's good well do you know what everything isn't good you've got to address and this is why this is why i disagree with danny cowley's comment like we referenced the other week about i've never failed of course you failed you can't go through life without failing you can't and and you know Fair play for Andy Cullen to coming on coming on the podcast. Eric Eisner retweeted it. We know Eric loves the podcast. He tells us um, he's retweeted it. He's put it out there, um, and and we want to approach the club. We want to work with the club on 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 matters. And, and if we can be the the voice of the fans and we take that to them, then we'll do that. You know, but we can be critical, but critical in a structured manner. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just from my perspective, I thought I thought it was it was brilliant. So I want to give obviously Ryan a lot of credit because you did a lot of the a uh, lot of the, a lot of the uh, the hard questions. I, I'm pussyfooted, obviously, because that's what I do. Now I'm joking. No, no, mate, fair play. It was it was spot on. And well, you, the fact that you you're the one that ducked into the academy first. Well, you know, yeah. <laughs> that was hard hitting. Liam Howes Go on, going, Andy. We've had repulsion. It's all gone to shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but you yeah. know and. To, to his credit, Andy Cullen saw us in the Victory Lounge the Saturday after, didn't he? Uh, and he, oh, was it the Tuesday yeah, night? It was the Tuesday, Burton game, Tuesday yeah, night, so yeah. Day after. And he came came over and he, he was chatting away to us about it. And I said I'd listen to it, thought it was good. Um, and he was quite engaging. He was with us, what, 10 minutes? He yeah. didn't have to do that. Yeah, fair play. And I think, obviously, not giving too much away. Um, there is other bits in the pipeline to look forward to. And so. I do hear that everyone at the club received it really well. Everyone, everyone, absolutely everyone at they all loved club it. loved it. They were happy. I, I, I just to want to say something. Look, you know, okay, everyone loved it in the club. Fans will have their own view. Can we just stop giving grief to one individual oh, at the club? Yeah. Yes, of you know course. that's not what we're about as a podcast. Have your own view. We're not telling you what to do, what not to do. But can you just stop with the hate directed at? At one person, please. We know who we're talking about, and we're not going to say their I name. I think the fact that we've gone back into the club for quite a civil sit-down with the chief exec in the club offices proves that we don't have enemies at the club. At this point, we're, we're, we're just looking to get on with things as yeah. our own podcast. Look, it, it's been and done. Whatever's happened has happened. We're over it. We've got a bloody cracking podcast and a great name. Thank you for that. Let's just move on. Let's stop. Yeah, because it's boring to see now. I'm actually, yeah. as I we actually said, straight, you know, as we said from the top, you can talk about a person's execution of their job, yeah. and then leave it at that. You I know, mean, we criticised Tyler Walker earlier, but we didn't. We didn't go. Be honest, Ryan. I we, bet he cooks a shit ravioli. We could have said know. a lot more about <laughs> another organisation which we haven't. So let's exactly. just, let's just yeah, move so on yeah, from it. It is what it is. Let's move on. Um, dickheads. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Let's look ahead there, boys, <laughs> to the next one. Uh, we, we've briefly spoken about it, Crew, uh, Two games on the road, I believe, now, Crew and... Shrewsbury. Shrewsbury. Uh, Jeff, what are your pre-match predictions for them? I've got Crew down as an away win, and, and I've got Shrewsbury down as an away win, but I was deliberating the Shrewsbury one. I think, I think maybe we'll draw at Shrewsbury and get the win against Fleetwood. I think we'll get a 2-0 win at Crew. 
like I said earlier, crew are a good football inside. They like to knock the ball like around. Lost five on the bounce. Yeah, but they still not. They still play the same way. Yeah. They play out from the back. So we need we need that high intensity press. We need those closing down of spaces. We need to turn over the ball and take our opportunities. Will we see the same same wing backs against Crew? I think Rico may start ahead of Hume potentially. If Romeo's fit, I think he'll start ahead of Harness at right wing back. So I'll go for a two 0 win against Crew. Yeah, Ryan. Crew best intentions they try to they try to play football out from the back. We saw that at Fratton Park. One of the things they've always run into is that they give the ball away too deep because they try to play right from the back, right from their own third. When they had better players last season like Perry Ung, Harry Pickering, Ryan Wintle, Owen, Owen Dale, Charlie Kirk, etc., etc., they were able to do that with a bit more efficiency. But now Ung's gone, Pickering's gone, Wintle's gone, uh, Kirk's gone. A lot of the good ball-playing players they had on their side are out. Now they're stuck with players that can't move the ball out from the back, especially when you press on them and put them under pressure. That's the reason why we were able to lock up a fairly convincing 2-0 at Fratton Park. It was never really a contest, that one. Going into the game at Gresty Road, I'm not expecting much of one there either. They'll be entering desperation mode now because they're really struggling against survival. At some point, you've just got to roll every single one of the dice you've still got this in theory should open them up a bit more and we should be able to get to them a bit more yeah. heading into Shrewsbury I, <laughs> I need to I need to go back to what either, I can't remember if it was on the podcast or on the Eastern Road debrief I made a comment on one of them that Shrewsbury are going to be I think it was after after the Shrew, uh, my preview for the Shrewsbury game on the blog I said well Shrewsbury was going to be that side that under their current structure, they're going to finish at about 16th. They'll concede the fewest goals of any team in the bottom half of the table, and they'll score the fewest. Two of those three things are currently true. They have conceded the fewest goals in the bottom half. They've scored the fewest in the bottom half. Through 32 games, they've scored 28 and 33. It's that, that just screams 1-1 in every game, pretty much. I was woefully wrong about them uh, finishing 16th. My mistake, they're currently 18th. So I apologise for being way off there. But Shrewsbury are that team every year. It's yeah. always some, you know, they split the bottom half of the table about halfway through. They're a tight team that you always get stuck in scrappy games with. That game at Fratton Park in August was really uncomfortable. And in fairness, they probably should have equalised in the 90th minute to make it 1-1. Going there on a Tuesday night, I don't see us winning. And that's not because... Uh, that's not necessarily a negative thing about us. I, just, I, I think that Shrewsbury are a tough, organised side to play. The fact they never concede that many goals through every season proves they've got a good organisation there. They have got a cohesion there. And I, I think the best we come away with is a point. Is that a terrible thing? No. Because uh, a lot a lot of sides will draw against Shrewsbury. That's ultimately what... the those succession of points they pick up is probably what keeps them away from danger so I don't think it's a negative reflection on us to say we won't win there just the nature of the teams you play sometimes it's like playing Milton Keynes it's it's not always a bad thing to have 33% of the ball 30% of the ball 25% sometimes that's just your opposition yeah uh, so that's them obviously two games coming up uh, wrapped up I'm just going off a, a, a question I heard on uh, on Radio Silent after the Doncaster game it was asked to Guy Whittingham and what he's sort of um, where, where he's at now where, where he feels our season's going obviously with these two wins on the bounce it changes a fair amount Jeff let's be honest we're not that far off the playoffs has your prediction changed at all in the last two games what to where we're going to finish yeah because it is still possible to make the playoffs, obviously. It is, but you, as I said last week, you've got to expect the six games, the, the six teams above us to have a poor run of form over the next four to five games. Now, we're fortunate that we, we're playing teams in the, in the bottom third. I said the other week, I think we get 12 points. I said it earlier tonight as well. If we can get those 12 points and then... Although, like I said, I've got us down to lose against Plymouth and Wickham. 
if we can take some points off of them, it closes the gap. But I can only see us winning potentially seven games between now and the end of the season. I think there's going to be quite a few draws and about four four losses in there. I can, do you know what? B- before I come over to you, Ryan, I can actually see Sunderland dropping out of that top six. But, uh, but uh, as I, I bloody said, hope so as well. But as I said earlier, there's five teams vying for that sixth spot. Yeah. It's like yeah. a mini league within I the think league. There's well, even the goals have dried up for Sunderland recently because, as far as I remember, the bloody tears haven't. Their last, yeah, <laughs> the last two games. Obviously, they, they they got a draw at Wimbledon and they lost two one at Cheltenham. In both of those games, both their goals have come from I think twenty five yard free kicks from Alex Pritchard. So in terms of goals from open play, yeah. they're drying up as well at the minute. You can't expect the guy just keep keep scoring bangers from dead, you know, yeah. dead ball set plays. By the way, if you want to laugh, just look at their hashtag a- SAFC. <coughs> when Aidan O'Brien scored that goal, it was class. Of course, oh, the, of the course. meltdown would have been course, brilliant. Yeah, school the first touch. Yeah, it's no different to Pompey fans about Marquis. Yeah, oh, well, that's oh. Jeff's point. I, I think there are too many okay to promising teams to leapfrog and obviously our, yeah. after we finish this four game stretch that began with Doncaster and ends with uh, Fleetwood then we'll know where we are then we'll, yeah we'll know what we're up against in terms of the, the points gap but that's when we start to play Oxford Rotherham Plymouth Wigan Sheffield Wednesday Ipswich we get through this four game stretch and it's back to playing sides in the top eight and all of a sudden whatever the points gap is, is as you rightly said earlier Jeff and it was something I said a couple of seasons ago if you want to get out of this division you've got to beat good teams you can't work your way through a 46 game season going right we'll beat up every middle third bottom third team but we'll not beat any of the good ones no that's where the six point swingers come into play the differentials are massive there so this four game stretch really we've got to clean up get as close as we can because we are going to drop points after that that's, yeah. th- that's the way it's been for us just um, just I don't know why I'm looking, but I'm looking at Rotherham. Fifty-seven goals scored, eighteen conceded. That's yeah, that's just a joke. Sixty-eight points on the board. And obviously, Wigan have still got a, a veritable fleet of games in hand. Three games in hand. That's mental. I'll go back to one one comment Andy Cullen said in 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 the interview. He said, "Would you want Pompey to be doing a Rotherham?" Do you know what? I take that right at this moment. Really? Because uh, honestly, I would going up. Having a good go at it. If we're not good enough, come back down. Go back up again. I would at least my- going up. At least going up gives you some joy. At yeah, the but this is Rotherham's third relegation from the Championship, back to back now. Uh, after that, that's when you'd get fans starting to go. Okay, you're getting us up and down, but what's the plan to actually stabilise us in the championship? Deactivate my Twitter account anyway. That's what <laughs> I'll be doing. Uh, right, on to our favourite subject in the last subject of this week's episode. If there's anything else you want to throw in, lads, do feel free. But dub, and oh, we need a jingle for this. Uh, um, Ryan's lady. I, I reckon not. Well, not only can we get a jingle going for dub and dinner of the week. Get a sponsor for it. Yeah. Let's go really commercial. Yeah, we need to get yeah. uh, Ryan, Ryan's uh, <coughs> lovely lady there to do a jingle for us after this. Uh, Dub and Din of the Week. She's looking at me like she wants to punch I don't me. think Liz is the musical creative type, especially considering <laughs> that one of us is actually a DJ. I think you're passing the buck here. I've only I'll mentioned that about seven times in the last... <laughs> yeah, 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 I'll get my daughter to just go bad dad the Dove and Din of the Week. Because she probably speaks as much bollocks as I do these sounds days. Like a, sounds like a local radio station. And right, Dove and Din of the Week, let's go. Dove of the Week, Aidan O'Brien. He scores yes, with his enough. first touch at Fratton Park, and he'd played seven minutes at Oxford. So overall, he's played eight minutes of Pompey football. Well, up until that goal, that is. Eight minutes of Pompey football, one minute at Fratton Park. He scores with his first touch. Yeah, honorary contender. Can't argue that, can you, Jeff? Can't honorary contender for double of the week would just be a nice, happy, clappy everyone at Portsmouth because we had two games in Fratton Park and we won both of them. But to narrow it down to one person, Aidan O'Brien. Uh, yeah, can't argue. Any, any anything else, Jeff? That you've seen this no, week? No, I, no. I, 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 I've been, oh, so I, you're not going to nominate me and Ryan for our fantastic interviews, double of the week? Oh. We, 
Oh, we, uh, we're, yeah. we're humble, Liam. We're Jesus. humble. No, yeah. no, I'm joking. Um, dinner of the week. You had to get any bigger. Dinner of the week, me for that comment. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know how I said honorary contender for the entire squad for getting two wins at Fratton Park yep. for double the week? Dinner of the week goes to the entire Pompey squad. <laughs> and there is a reason for this before anyone thinks, oh, he's lost his knocker again. 28th minute. Kyle Noyle, the right back for Doncaster, goes off for treatment. You referenced this earlier, Jeff, when you said that Raggett and Callow having a spat, and a lot of people picked up on it. Noyle goes off for treatment. Pompey have a throw in down that flank. They plug in. Uh, they plug in one of the central midfielders of Doncaster into the right back spot. So what do Pompey do with that throw in? Do they target the soft, weak underbelly of Doncaster's exposed flank while Noyle's off the field? No. They take the throw in. They lazily play the whole way across the field to the fully protected flank of Doncaster. Lazily move the ball down the flank, which gives the entire Doncaster side to move back across. There's me sat in my seat, wedged into my seat, my fat kit. <laughs> wedged into my seat with my little rump horn, going, ah, I see what they've done here. They've moved it to one flank so they can move the ball really qu- uh, really quickly back across the way to catch them unaware. No. We give the fucking ball away and Noyle comes back on the field. So you've got a right back that's gone off injured. They've had to plug in a central midfielder who is known for not being a right back into right back. And what do we do about it? Nothing. We give the ball away in on the wrong side of the pitch. And there's nothing else to me that explains our first half better than that in the sense that we had absolutely no idea what we were doing. Mm. What the f- <laughs> what was that supposed to be? Ginger Did no one way. think we can, we can target that side now? Yeah, all right. Hackett didn't have a great first half. Harness wasn't lighting up either. No one was having a great first half outside of Raggett and Thompson. I, d- I did tweet at half time what team is bottom of the league yeah I was just yeah that. but why do we not target that yeah. sure and I don't want anyone coming at me going well there's actually a moral sporting code that when a player goes off injured there's an unwritten agreement that you don't target that side of the pitch bollocks shovel up your bollocks <laughs> players a player will go down injured and the opposition will literally walk right over you to play on so don't give me any of that. We had the perfect opportunity to target an exposed Doncaster flank, and we literally went as far away from it as we could. Um, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. In the end, they sort of made up for it by oh, scoring four goals. Look at us. Woo, can we have a day off? No, you can't have a day off. You played half a football game. You can have a day off if you do it against. Can, a can team I just throw in, in a? Six. I know we've already done dub, but I'm going to throw in another late contender, which is obviously not going to win, but. Hayden Carter for that nutmeg. Oh, oh that was yeah. filth. I mean, what? By the way, we'll, we'll wrap up in, in a second. But what a signing, Jeff! If we can keep hold of him, wow. Yeah, Danny Carley said he wants to keep him beyond the summer. Um, I don't think we'll get him on a permanent, but it depends what happens with with Blackburn. And, and Danny Carley said this himself: if Blackburn get promoted to the Premiership, is Hayden Carter going to start in the Premiership or make the Premiership squad? Probably not. Would they be looking at, at, for his development, looking at a championship side? Probably. But given given the way he's, he's developing for, for Pompey, it would stand as in good stead to, to get him next season. But yeah, I, 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 when I'd done um, Gaffer for the day in the news, I said, for his Wimbledon display, I said, if that's his day in, day out, then we've got a hell of a player. Yeah. He went off the boil a little bit, but yesterday against poor opposition he was top class that nutmeg he done dragged it back and flicked it through retroactively I want to go back to the Charlton game do you remember when Sean Raggett was told to be Matt Clark for that game and bring the ball oh, out from the yeah. centre of the back three why Carter, now, Carter's your natural we know what Raggett is good up. at and what Raggett is good at is being the best aerial, def- aerial defender in League One what is Sean Raggett not good at actually kicking the football it's not harsh. He's never been that good on the football. He doesn't have to be. He's a bloody good defender. But if you've got a ball-carrying defender as composed as Carter is and you are intent on moving the ball out from the back three for one game, why not plug Carter in there? You can move Raggett over for one game if you want to focus on bringing the ball out of a defence. That really hindered us that game. The fact that Raggett was told to do a job he could not do. Again, not his fault. But Carter's performance yesterday just made me go back to that Charlton game going, we wasted a game. 
we wasted a game against Charlton using the wrong player. Yeah. Going to smash through some uh, just comments quickly uh, off our tweet. We, Did we, we actually... Uh, have we gone firm on who Dub, and dub is, though? What's that, sorry? Uh, have we gone firm oh, yeah. on who the dub is? Oh, it's got to be Aiden O'Brien. Aiden O'Brien. Aiden O'Brien. He scored yeah, eight yeah. minutes into his I mean, Pompey tenure. Still don't, I don't know if it's been confirmed. Is that the quickest goal for, for a, obviously, player coming on from, as a substitute in the Pompey shirt? We don't know, do we? Uh, Has it been confirmed? It might be a hell of a task for the Pompey History Society. Yeah, but they I are might, looking into yeah. it. I might have a quick reach out to them and see if they can find I remember Luke one. Nightingale's debut where he came on and banged two in the fat and end. Y- Yakubu's name was mentioned. Um, anyway, we said thoughts on that one. Um, patient first half says Paul uh, against the side clearly drilled to defend a frustrate. Understandable in their position once the first goal went in. We looked far more confident and built well on it. That's Paul on Twitter. Lucy, great win, but still baffles me why we can't play good football for 90 minutes. Not complaining tonight, though. That was, of course, yesterday. Lucy, thank you for that one. Martin, confidence flowed once we got the first goal and we started to play some proper football. Looked much better once Tunney replaced Walker. Lee Cook fancied us to win these two games, uh, win the next three, and we're on for the playoffs. Hold on tight. We're getting the band back together, <laughs> says Lee Cook. Um, Jamie Fox, 83 minutes, 3 and up, and he brings Thompson off for Ogilvy. Why not give Jewett White some minutes? Do you know what? I actually said that at the time I saw that because why not why wouldn't you yeah it was a bit of a bizarre bizarre I know, um, I know he's got to get Tony kind of fit again and um, get him some yeah, but, but I would you have know, with, with with 10 12 minutes to go why not throw Joe at White in there yeah. gives him a bit of league experience we're 4-0 up for me this would go back to my comments about Tyler uh, Tyler Walker and Denver Hume earlier you may as well prepare for the future you may as well develop what you want to be your future plan for this club. Stuart White fits into that mould if we've yeah. recalled him and we want him to be part of this first team at some point. You may as well get him a taste of grown men's football. Yeah. Exactly. Ian, uh, what have we learned from that? We are better than the team at the bottom of the league. They came for a draw and nearly scored and it would have been a painful watch. But Baz and Rag stopped them. Once we scored, their game plan went out the window. Some good performances to build on. Thompson, exclamation mark, says Ian. Lorraine, dreadful first half. I've not seen one person say the first half was good. Uh, not a fan of the formation at all. Second half much better and the goal certainly spurned us on and uh, had a, gave us confidence. Uh, the win kept keeps us in a shout, in with a shout of making the playoffs but has to be backed up with more wins. Cheers, Lorraine, who is a regular co- uh, contributor to when we were on air. I remember Lorraine. She was I always, yes. always tweeted in. Uh, I, cheers, Lorraine. I did find it interesting that when we first start this podcast, there were some familiar names that had moved over yeah. uh, to our to our new platform Neil absolutely shit first half we couldn't say that on the radio absolutely shit first <laughs> half but second a better second half can't remember who said it but we are a one half team I think it was Ryan do you know what I've been saying that for a very long time even on the radio that we are a one half team we used to start a game awfully first half we were awful then the second half we'd come to light and it happened for a whole season I think it under did, jacket yeah. was it under jacket I was, I was tracking that <clears throat> Where, where I tracked games we'd won if we'd scored before the 30th minute and then games we'd won if we hadn't scored before Well, I was just the second half. And it was absolutely <laughs> extraordinary how different they were. Yeah. Sod the first half. Let's just start the second half. 4-0 was very flattering. Thought it resembled a relegation battle. First half, sloppy play and no creativity. Uh, says James, controversial Carlton. End of season dirge. Someone tell me it's not February. Uh, Matt we won't mention the first half but second half we played some alright football in spells said so many times we have to work so hard uh, to score a goal when other teams find it so easy so for that to be reversed today was a pleasant change loads to get through we're not going to squeeze them all in but as ever thank you very much for your comments on our Twitter feed Facebook uh, page as well and also a special thank you to uh, a couple of people that have uh, actually contributed towards our uh, there's a little tab on our link thing and our link in our bio sound like an OnlyFans porn star um, but it's uh, it enables you to buy us a coffee <laughs> <laughs> the look Jeff shot on me then I just, for about 0.2 seconds when I was like three lads in the pub nude calendar for 2023 <laughs> lads, sorry to tell you but I've been selling no I'm joking um, but yeah so you can actually if you want uh, sponsor the podcast that just if you want to buy basically you can buy us a pint if you want to buy us a beer for one episode or it goes towards um, funding the uh, episodes as well because they do cost of course to to host but we're not we're not begging we do this because we enjoy doing it we can't shut up about Pompey isn't that right Ryan 
Absolutely. How long do we last without being on air? In a, a week. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a drug. You just can't stop talking about it. Uh, but yeah, appreciate to everyone that's done that as well. Uh, any final things you want to mention, boys? Uh, there was, but it's gone out of my head. Oh, that's good. <laughs> it, it was really oh. philosophical as well. Was yeah. <laughs> Hold on, Jeff. Was it no? Was, how long? How many times have we been here at the Crook? Is I think it, it's our third trip here. Third or fourth? Are you, are you trying to remember where you parked your car? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, was, I know exactly where I parked it. That was uh, what I. Would, that was episode six. Was it? Where's my car? Jeff lost his car, called the police, you've ever listened. Uh, but yeah, thank you very much to everyone that's uh, given us good feedback on the Andy Cullen interview. Like I said earlier on, we will be, we're not going to say what's happening because I don't want to jinx it or um, give too much away, but we are going to be speaking to some very important people from Portsmouth Football Club in the coming months, so look out for that. Looking forward to that. Uh, Ryan, thank you. Uh, enjoy the Super Pleasure Bowl. As always. Oh, cannot wait. The only what? downside is it is now like the last uh, American football game for half a year. Oh, what a shame. It does now mean I can start paying attention during podcasts yeah. because we normally do this on a Sunday night where the season was on. So I'll be like, hey, that's a really good point, Liam. Uh, and I've actually just been looking at the scores. So for the next half year or so, you do actually have my undivided attention. I mean, I'm so interested in American football. Uh, what were you saying? <laughs> Jeff, uh, <laughs> have a good evening as well. And uh, we will see you all next week for episode 14 we're actually on 14 14 15 12 9 8 1 <laughs> cheers have a Who good knows? one thanks for listening sports social podcast network with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.